This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you. Good morning. So honored to be here with you, to worship with you. Some of you did pretty good. Got your clock rolled back right. Had some in the first service that were really, really early. And I was the bearer of good news saying, I must inform you, you are an over an hour early today. So again, bless all of you. So glad you came. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hands up real high. We are on our series on the wilderness. And so we're going to give you another area in your life here that I believe will help you. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, the God of this age, the God of this world has tried to blind our eyes. And so what I like to think of that, that this, this world we live in right now, is very hostile toward anything or anyone that is part of the kingdom of God. And so we go to the book of John, chapter 15. We'll get going here, and you'll begin to get a glimpse real quick of where we're going this morning. But I encourage you, get, get open in the scriptures. Open your Bible up and look here, and let the Word of God teach you today. John 15, verse 18. If you'll notice here, this is Jesus' words, and he said, If the world hates you, If you find this godless world hating you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Interesting statements. Better stated here. Remember it got its start hating me before it hated you. 1 John 3, he says that brethren don't marvel when the world hates you. And so just some warnings here that this is taking place more and more. Verse 19. If you were of the world, or you live by the world's terms, the world would love its own, or the world would treat you with affection. Yet because you are not of this world, since you don't live by the world's terms, you live by God's terms. Because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And so the Lord Jesus here is is giving us great insight Again, don't be moved by any of this. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. And so when you see the servant here, it's someone who not only willingly obeys God, but he's got a devotion to God and a loyalty to God. And he ends verse 20 and says, If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So when you look at this, I'm either going to live by one way or I'm going to live by the, I can't live by them both. And understand, for me to live by the word of God, you're going to get persecuted. Because there's a great opposition within the things of the God, the standards of God to the things of the world. Now, turn with me to the book of of 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we were there a week ago, and I told you we were going to come back here. And I'll just warn you, we're going to come back here for several weeks. One is almost every verse in this passage, you begin to see that, that God deals specifically with things that I believe every one of us are wilderness experiences. So we begin in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people... Submit yourselves to your elders. Yield to their counsel. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Come under the same mission to unite. Okay, that's the goal is to unite under the things of heaven. 
Keep reading. And, and be clothed with humility. And we talked about this last week a little bit. To be clothed with humility, that becomes a choice. The word humility here means to have a low estimation of yourself. In other words, don't think more highly of yourself. Now, I believe in the society we live in, the devil has tried to pervert or twist the word humility. He has us thinking where, where when you talk about humility, that, that means to be soft-spoken. To, to be weak in demeanor or to be non-confrontational. That's not true. Uh, humility is not to be, to be spineless or weak, but true humility is when a person is rooted in absolute obedience and dependence on God and say, man, Father God, I look to you. So when he says, be clothed with humility, why do we highlight that? Well, keep reading here, and he gives us more and more insight. He says, for God resists the proud. The one who tries to live off of his own wisdom, his ability, and his strength. God resists the proud. Uh, Proverbs 3.34 says that God mocks the proud mockers. It doesn't take a rocket science. You don't want God mocking you, okay? But if you look at this, it says that God resists the proud. The only time in the Bible that you will ever find God resisting someone is when they have the aroma of being prideful or arrogant. Really, that's what got the devil booted out of heaven. If you were to study Isaiah 14, you would begin to see in there that the devil had five wills. And all the five wills that he said, I will do this, they were all rooted in pride. And so God resists the proud. But the other side of that... The end of verse 5, but he gives grace to the humble. Who are the humble? Those ones who seek God's will above their will. Those ones who look to God and say, Father God, I, I can't make it without you. Now, I said this last week, that if you look at what God is doing according to 1 Peter 5, 5, God is either resisting you because you smell prideful, or God is gracing you. Now you've heard several times this morning as we sang different songs, whether in worship or praise, it had to do with, with grace. We're going to see some things about grace. Now keep reading with me here in verse 6. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Really that saying, Father God, I, I look to your ability. I, I look to your might. I look to your strength. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Now here's a thought for you just off of that statement. If I'm not humbling myself under the mighty hand of God, then who or what are you living by? And so when I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, it attracts something that I believe every one of us need to look at. He says here, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. God wants to exalt you. Better stated, God wants to promote you. So when I live by pride and arrogance, I forfeited that God is wanting to exalt me and God's wanting to promote me here. So when you look at this here, when I live by my own experiences, my own wisdom, my own opinions, I'm going to get in trouble. Who am I to give my own opinion? Remember, we said this a couple weeks ago. In Romans 1, verse 22, it says, 
professing to be wise or thinking they're wise, they became fools. So again, who am I to give my own opinion? So when I look at the word grace here, God gives grace to the humble. Now think about grace in this sense. Number one, it's undeserved, it's unearned, it's unmerited, it's the kindness of God. Grace is God's ability or God's power that helps me within. So when I look at this, it's not just grace, it's amazing grace. It's amazing grace. The longer I go in this journey called life, the more I I covet the grace with God right here. Now, go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2. Ephesians, chapter 2. And so what are we going to do here is we're going to give you some biblical references here on what God's grace does for each one of us. Now, get a hold of this today because I believe this is a wilderness experience that until I learn to live by God's grace, I'm going to stay right there. Sometimes I believe in our lives, we're thinking, God, why, why am I not moving forward? Well, could it be because I haven't learned to live by his grace? Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy. Ooh, you may want to underline that. Who is rich in mercy. Think about the word rich. God is rich in mercy. He's abundantly supplied in mercy. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about what mercy really is. Mercy is is God's blessing for me and you to pertaining to my past. He mercies me from my past. In other words, I don't get what I deserve because of God's mercy. Now, I don't know about you. I'm very excited about God's mercy. Because if I got what I deserved, it wouldn't be good. So hold on to this. God's mercy is God's compassion. He's rich in mercy. Keep reading. Because of his great love, which he loved us. You know, God loves us. He loved us so much, he gave his only begotten son. When did God start loving us? Even when we were dead in trespasses, even when you were living as a sinner, he still loved you. It's kind of like the song we just sang. And God's chasing me down. He's looking to help me. He's looking to love me. And so he said, even we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. You're not saved by your, your abilities. You're not saved because you did what was right or wrong. You got saved entirely because of God's grace. Now, I hear people say this a lot of times. I'll come to the Lord and I'll I'll receive Jesus as Lord of my life when I get everything in my life in order, when I quit sinning. Well, that's never going to happen. You're out of line by that. So when you look at the grace that he's talking about here, this is literally God's gift to every one of us. Keep reading here. Verse 6. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, if you were to combine the the verse 5 and verse 6 together, he has three togethers. We're alive together, we're raised up together, and we're made to sit together. Every bit of that, I believe, is, is the grace of God. Those are all areas that happen to every one of us just because we receive Jesus as Lord of our life through grace. Keep reading. Verse 7. 
that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Now, if you'll notice the word exceeding and then riches, riches was plural. So there's more to grace than just saving grace, and I'm not downplaying that. Thank God for his saving grace. But when we get born again, understand this as a Christian, that's just the beginning point. So if I get saved by grace, isn't he going to grace me through the rest of my life? I believe that's what we've got to learn today. So I look at the two main topics here that he talked about in verse 4. He said, God is rich in mercy. And then here in verse 7, he said, the exceeding riches of his grace. To help us a little bit with this, think about it again. Mercy's for my past, grace is for my present and my future. Let me tell you a little story here that just happened to me the other day. And and I believe this will help every one of us in this room. But how many of you in here right now, you have, whether it's uh, grandparents, whether it's parents, maybe siblings that have already died and left this earth, And sometimes we wonder, did they make it to heaven? Have you ever thought that? I wonder if they made it to heaven. I've thought about that. And I I can tell you, there's certain ones in my family members that I I know they made it to heaven. I don't question that, man. I, I, I know they're in heaven. There's people in this church that died this year. I know they're in heaven because of the relationship they had with Jesus. But sometimes we have family members, there's a huge question mark about them. My son was in town the other day, and so we were around his grandparents, my, my parents, and my older brother was there. Well, he's my only brother, but he's older. And so we're all sitting there getting ready to eat, and I'm sitting by him, and my mom comes in, and she looks at him, and she said, David, I, I was told that Jesus took you to heaven the other day. And he nodded, and I said, dude, you didn't tell me that Jesus took you to heaven. And he said, well, it just, just happened. And so my mom said, share with me what took place. Well, before he can even start, he begins. You, you can see the, the presence of God come on him. And he, he begins to not, not cry in tears. It's just almost like his whole face is wet in tears. And she said, what did you see when you were in heaven? And he said, well... I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, there was Jesus. And he said, Jesus began to converse with me. And all of a sudden, out of, out of nowhere, these two people came into the room. And he said, I looked up real quick, and he said, I recognize the first person as my grandmother. Now, I always knew in my heart my grandmother went to heaven. And the question was asked, how old do you think she was? And he said, Somewhere around 30. Now, I've seen pictures of my grandma in her early 20s. And he said she was very close to that. And she said, and he said, but behind her on her shoulder, there was a guy. And the guy stepped out and he looked at her. And because of the pictures we've seen, he looked at my mother and said, it was your father. And my mom stopped right there. And immediately out of her mouth, she said, that's the mercy of God. He's the one we always had questions marks about. And 
He's the one that he, he died in his early 50s of alcohol. And so again, I, I begin to sit there and I begin to think, oh my gosh, this is the mercy of God. And my mom said, what was said? And he said, the only thing that my grandma said, she grabbed my arm and said, David, everything's okay. Everything's okay. So again, I say that today to say this. God is a God of incredible mercy. Number two, I believe this with all my heart right now. We are living in times where every one of us in this room have family members, some that are very dear to us. We really need to begin to pray the grace of God, okay? Grace and Father God to get saved. Grace them, grace them, grace them, grace them. So again, I, I want to put hope in us through the scriptures that God is a God of mercy and grace. Now keep reading. Let's let the word teach us here. That the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us who are in Christ Jesus. If you're born again, this is his desire that he wants to show you and me the exceeding riches of his grace. And you guys should shout. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not It is that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God. I, I can't earn it and I don't deserve it. It is the gift of God. So if you're given a gift, what's your response when someone gives you a gift? Thank you. Thank you. That ought to come out of our mouth. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for saving me. Thank you over and over for saving me. See, if it's a gift, you can't earn it. And if you earned it, it can't be a gift. But he said, it is the gift of God. And so, just for a minute here, I I want you to think about this. That let's pretend here it's Paul's birthday. Paul's right down here. And I bought Paul a birthday gift. And I gave it to Paul. And Paul begins to unwrap it. And I said, do you like it? And he said, I love it, Pastor. It's just what I wanted. And I look at him and say, good. I hope you like it. It cost me 50 bucks and you owe me 50 bucks. Then it can't be a gift. See, I think this is where we mess up with the Lord. We think we got to earn it. Woo, it's amazing grace. Salvation is not just grace. It's amazing grace. And he goes on to say this. It's not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so you know what he's talking about? You're not going to pride yourself into heaven. And you're not going to be able to boast yourself into heaven and say, Oh, I kept the Ten Commandments all the days of my life. That's why I'm here. You didn't keep the Ten Commandments. You can study the scriptures in Romans 3. It says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So again, he's saying, there's not going to be any boasting in heaven except toward the one who blessed us, the Lord Jesus. Now again, you see something right here, the saving grace of God. Now I want you to look with me to the book of of Titus chapter 2. And we're going to hit some areas that I believe God wants to grace everyone Go to Titus chapter 2, and you may say, where is Titus? Well, if you've gone to Hebrews, you've gone too far. 
And right before Hebrews is a little book called Philemon or Philemon. And again, if I mispronounce that, don't lose your salvation, okay? It's one of the two, I believe. Titus chapter 2 is where we're going. And so when we see this thing called grace, grace was never meant to lower God's standard. Grace was never meant for me to live however I want. Now right now, within many teachings, you hear people say this, I can live however I want because of grace. That's not true. If you want a a, a biblical reference on that, in Romans 6, the apostle Paul said this, shall you continue in sin that grace may abound? And then you know what he said? Certainly not. Certainly not. So if grace isn't there to give me a license to sin, and we don't need a license to sin, we do well enough sinning without a license. So what is grace for? Watch this passage here, because in my Bible, the subtitle above verse 11, it says, trained by saving grace. Grace is to train us. Train us for what? Well, start with me in verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Woo, God graces, graces, graces. And if you'll notice at the end of verse 11 there, it has a comma. But the Amplified says this, that his grace is for the deliverance of sin and eternal salvation. Can you get saved without grace? Can't do it. Can you get delivered without sin? You can't do it without God's grace. Watch what he goes on to say here. After verse 11, there's a comma. Teaching us or instructing us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. So he's talking about here a grace for proper conduct. Now it's, it's interesting to me here. He says that he's teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. So better stated here. The only way I'm going to get past denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. Is the grace of God. God wants to grace me. God wants to help you. Listen to what the New International Version says. It says. It grace that teaches us. To say no to ungodliness. There's going to be times in our life. As believers. That I'm going to have to learn to say no. To ungodliness. And certain type of behaviors. Now I'm just going to tell you right now. I found this in my own life. I wasn't going to overcome certain sinful patterns in my life without the grace of God. None of us will. And so this is what he's getting to. And so he says here, for by grace of God that brings salvation is pure to all men. Grace is teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldliness, we should live soberly. We should live in a responsible manner. Being in self-control. I can't do that in my own abilities. I'm going to tell you that right now. If I, if I could get saved by my own, that would have happened. I can't do it. He goes on to say, righteously and godly in this present age. So what he's talking about, he wants us to live righteously and God in this present age. You know what this present age means? Before you get to heaven, 
When we get to heaven, guys, we're going to enter a place called paradise. I'm not going to need the grace of God. It's going to be everything I need right there. So again, when you look at this, he's telling, I want you to live godly in this present age. I I want there to be such a difference in your life. Now, let me ask you something. Have you seen any change in your life since you got born again? If you haven't, you really need to tap into grace. Day by day by day by day by grace. And I can tell you in my own life, I get around people that knew me growing up and they say, what happened to you? Oh, it's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. A few weeks ago, we water baptized right here. And I was standing out there when people were leaving and this a girl that came out and she said, do you remember me? And I said, no. And she said, I went to school with you from elementary I went to an elementary called Highland. I went to a junior high called Marshall. She went through me all those. And she said, I've never seen such a change. And I looked at her and I said, does it surprise you what I do for a living? And she said, and I said, me too. (laughs) It's kind of shocking to me too. It's the grace of God. Tell you, it's the grace of God. And so when I look at what he says here, What would begin to happen if we begin to say, Oh, Father God, grace me today. How many have ever had problems with your eyes? If you're a male and you don't raise your hand, we're going to pray for liars after service, okay? How many have ever had a problem with your tongue that you you, you speak before you think? Go ahead, raise your hands, it's okay. See, again, what would happen if we begin to grace ourselves with God's grace? And say, Father God, grace me today. Rain on me mercy and grace today. Lord, I, I welcome your grace. Here's a thought on that. The greatest apostle of all time, in my opinion, was the Apostle Paul. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Your grace is sufficient for me even in your weaknesses. The greatest apostle, he said, I got some weaknesses, but your grace is is efficient. Your grace is enough. It's an empowering to help me. Now, look how Titus closes this out right here. Verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, That he may redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. So think about this, what happens. When you get born again, you're saved by grace. But when you get born again, did you notice that God doesn't immediately send you to heaven? No, he leaves us here. And not only does he leave us here, he doesn't make us robots. But he said, you know what, if they'll just get a hold of my grace... They'll be earthly agents. They'll represent me right here on earth. Now go back with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5. Now as you turn from Titus there, we're not talking about grace again. We're talking about amazing grace. 1 Peter chapter 5. Now we we were in verses 5 and 6 a minute ago. I want you to go to 1 Peter 5 verse 10. Now watch how Peter puts, puts the grace of God in here. 
Verse 10. But may the God of all grace. Some translations leave out may. But the God of all grace. Grace doesn't come anywhere but from God. Again, grace is a gift. I, I can't earn it. And I don't deserve it. But I can't live without it. The grace of God. Now I'm, I'm highlighting the apostle Paul. He tapped into something in the area of grace that I believe we need to tap into as believers and say, Father God, grace me, grace me, grace me. And so he says here, the God of all grace. The God of all grace. Now I had a grace explained to me one day. And the guy said, just imagine yourself in a boat. And there's two oars. And he said, just envision those oars as the grace of God. Row, row, row your boat. And so as long as I continually row those oars, I'm going to ultimately meet my destination. So he keeps explaining to me. I said, wait, wait, wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. If it's dependent on me getting there, then it can't be God's grace. He said, let me help you a little bit. God doesn't make us robots. God gives every one of us a a free will, a free choice. And he said, though, I can't get there without those oars. So what would happen if I begin to say, Father God, I ask you to grace me, to row, row, row my boat. Grace me, Father God. See, it changes everything. But one of the things you must understand, when we think grace is dependent on us, so I look at this and I think, how many of you, when you got married, did did you not know very much about getting married? I didn't know anything. And so I begin to say, Father God, grace me as a husband. Grace me those things. I don't know what to do. How many of you, when you had that first child, when they came out of the womb, they had an owner's manual tied around their neck? Didn't happen. And I had a child when we were young, and man, you're talking about having about a half a nostril out of water. Father God, grace me. Grace me. So he says, the God of all grace. Not, Not just a little bit of grace, the God of all grace. Who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered a while. Compared to eternity. And listen to what he wants to do. Watch this. Now I believe this, this is the area that he wants to, to get us out of the wilderness. After we suffered a while. The God of all grace wants to perfect you. He wants to restore you. He wants to complete you. He wants to repair you. He wants to adjust you. Hmm. And the God of all grace will establish you, support you, fix you, to turn you into a certain direction. And the God of all grace wants to strengthen you with spiritual knowledge and power. And the God of all grace wants to settle you a firm foundation to lay a basis for. The Amplified says it this way. He will himself complete and make you what you ought to be. Woohoo! Now you should have shouted. 
I looked up in every translation I could find, every one of those words, perfect, strengthen, establish, and settle you. It only happens by the grace of God. So are there areas in your life that you need to be perfected? I do. Established, settled, even strengthened. Now keep reading here with me. By Silvanius, our faithful brother, this is verse 10, our faithful brother, as I considered him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. So is he telling me that if I don't get a hold of the true grace of God, I'm not going to stand. I believe that's exactly what he's telling. He's telling us that I want to provide the ability for you to stand firm. And so could this be one of the areas in the wilderness that God said, listen, until you get to a place in your life where you learn to live by my grace in every area of, my, of your life, then I'm just going to leave you here. And so something happens, I believe, when we begin to say, oh, Father God, I welcome your grace today. I welcome your mercy today. Let me ask you something right now. How many of you have something big that may take place tomorrow? Anybody here got something big tomorrow? How about anybody got anything big this next coming week coming up? Next month. I'm going to hit you sooner or later. Everyone, you got something big coming up before long. What are you getting at? What would happen if we begin to incorporate God's grace and say, Ooh, Father God, I, I ask you to grace me tomorrow when I go into that meeting. I ask you to grace me on that promotion. I, I ask your grace, Father God. And there's days when you know you're going to get into situations where sometimes, again, it's easier to, to speak than it is to think. Father God, grace my tongue today. How many of you have the ability to dice people with your tongue, and after you do it, you say, why did I do that? Grace my tongue, Father God. Grace my heart today. Are you struggling in your marriage? Grace me today in my marriage. Are you struggling with your kid? Grace me. Grace me in my job today. Father God, I welcome your grace. And you know, we used to sing this song. Father God, we welcome showers of your mercy and grace falling on every every face. I, I welcome your grace today. And so again, he says, I give grace to the humble. You know what the humble say? Father God, I gotta have your grace. I gotta have your grace. Why don't you stand up today? As you stand up here today, I'm just gonna ask you to bow your head right right there where you're at. And I ask you to be still with your body. And I ask you to be still in your mind, okay? Don't go to the Cowboys game, okay? Don't go to the buffet where you're going just, to... Just say, Lord, help me. Help me to be still. Be still and know that I'm God. Psalms 46. Be still. Be still. Mind be still. And so I, I, I believe there's ones of you in here today. You're here by divine appointment to get saved today. You're saved by grace through faith. And you say, oh, oh, preacher man, 
You don't know what I've done. Well, let me throw this out to you. You don't know what I've done. But I got born again, not because of me, but because of this thing called amazing grace. And you sense right now the Lord Jesus tugging at your heart, pulling at your heart to saying, I died for you. Some of you have strayed away from the things of God. And God's saying today, I, I desire you to come home. I've, I've been chasing you down. I've been climbing mountains, coming after you. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to get out of your, your seat right there where you're at and come down here. And if it bothers you to come before people, just raise your hand. I'll come back there and get you and I'll escort you down. I'm serious. I don't have a problem doing that. But if that's you today and you say, man, that's me. I need to give my heart to Jesus today. I I, I need to get born again today. Come on. It's good. You're good, girls. Clap, clap, clap. Yeah, come on. I shout. I'm glad. It's a great day. That's, That's the grace of God that you both are sensing right now. I remember when I got born again. Oh my gosh, I remember. I'll never forget that day. It was like I'd been called out on the prices right. And I took off. I couldn't wait to get down there. I thought, this guy named Jesus died for me. He bled for me. He did. That's how much he loved us. Is there any others that want to join him? What a day. Now, As we look at these two, let me tell you this right now. The only thing that's important is heaven. The only thing that is important in heaven is people. Is people. We're going to lead these two ladies in the prayer of salvation. But here's what I want you to do. I I want us to pray grace on family members too. You you got ones that aren't here today. I'm, I'm telling you. God is looking for people that will pray out. Just believe Him and say, all right, Father God. Woo! If it's old Uncle Buck or, or Judy with the attitude, you pray over me. Say, Father God, grace them, grace them, grace them. Now, you ladies say this, and I welcome all of you to say this. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And I come as a sinner. And I ask you again today, Father God, to forgive me of my sin. I acknowledge my sin to you. I take full responsibility for my choices. Again today, I ask you to forgive me. And Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Christ. I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the Son of God. And I ask you today to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. And Lord Jesus, save me right now by grace in Jesus' name. I'm just going to tell you guys right this. Yeah, clap. 
Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.